Welcome to Maximum Mom with Elise Bowie, where you'll hear from women who are navigating the same messy journey as you. Lawyering, entrepreneurship, and mothering. What a trifecta. We're here to share tips, resources, wins, losses, and encouragement for moms who are raising a family while building a law firm. So you feel less alone in your journey toward a fulfilling career and being the best mom you can be. Welcome. This is Elise Bowie with the Maximum Mom Podcast. And today I am so excited to welcome Laura Kelly. Thanks for joining me, Laura. It's my honor and my pleasure. Oh, I'm just thrilled to have you. And of course, we're starting late because Laura and I were just yibber yabbering about all the things. And so I can tell that we have so much in common and we share a lot of the same thoughts about things we're dealing with. Well, first, I really just want to let you know about Laura. I mean, Laura, I found through her work as the joyful attorney, and I took a recent course she did, and it was super eye-opening for me about how I could bring more joy both into my life, but also into my practice as a lawyer. I mean, Laura, can you just tell us a little bit about your work as a joyful attorney before we go on? Yeah, absolutely. So essentially, I've been an immigration attorney for eight years, an attorney now for 15 years. And over the course of the last couple of years, I had noticed how many of my colleagues were burned out, Mm. overwhelmed, stressed out, and having really poor boundaries with clients and colleagues. So about October of last year, October 2020, I really decided to establish my niche as a life coach for attorneys because I saw this great need for just assistance, but real assistance. We're seeing in our profession so many, you know, courses and classes on mindfulness and wellness, but not a lot of real usable information that we could, you know, hit the ground running to actually make our lives better. So I decided to do a course that started in December of last year. And I've just been creating new courses to, you know, really focus on the needs of attorneys in this world. And you know, I, I realized that so many people are leaving the practice of law, and that is not what I personally want to see. I think lawyers are so important to civil rights, to justice. And I think most of us went to law school because we had a calling to do something that we were passionate about, and that is justice. And so my thing was, I don't want people to leave that practice. I don't want people to lose this passion for justice, but I think we need to take radical ownership of our lives and change the profession from within rather than expecting our, to make ourselves small to fit into the profession. Oh, I just love that. I mean, and I love the idea of radical ownership of our lives. We are going to talk about that, but I have to go back. I always like to start these podcasts. Please tell us what your family looks like. Like who makes you a mom? What does it look like at home for you? Well, I'm the mom of a delightful eight-year-old girl She's just the light of my life. And her father and I are separated. We haven't been in a romantic relationship for, oof, I would say about five years. But we have a very unusual setup in that we both still live in the same home. We are oh, like wow. co-parents. Right. And, you know, in that way, we're able to really allow my child to have both parents 24-7. And we're lucky that we don't have any drama. There's no weirdness. We really are able to co-parent in a way that works for us and works for our child. That's amazing. Um, Yeah. (laughs) 
I love that. I just, I mean, talk about being able to really put your child front and center rather than have her caught in the middle of any nonsensical drama. I mean, kudos to you all. That's just amazing. Yeah, it can look really unorthodox. So, you know, in my last relationship, we had, you know, the, my boyfriend over for Christmas, unwrapping presents with my, you know, with my husband, essentially. But, you know, it works for us. And it's, I think we're all, you know, again, focused on one thing and one thing only. And that is my daughter having known that the adults in her life put her first. That's what, that's what matters. That's all that matters. I mean, you know, all the rest can be explained and she can understand. And it's just, I think it's amazing. I say really kudos. I mean, I was talking to somebody recently, they were asking me about nesting. So it's a little bit different, you know, when people go in and out of the same home, but, you know, they go stay like in an apartment or something. And even that can feel unorthodox for some couples, but sometimes it works great, you know, to be able to co-parent and keep the child in the home that they've known and just keep things kind of the status quo. So I think it's awesome. I mean, it's awesome. Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. (laughs) I just want to make a caveat. Like, I think it's awesome if you are able to, you know, be amicable. And and I'm, I'm fortunate in that my child's father and I are just amicable. We really are good friends and we care about each other and we care about our daughter first and foremost, okay. but there's no drama um, and nobody has any personality disorders. So <laughs> that works for us. But I know, you know, your mileage may vary. Not everybody's going to have that kind of peaceful relationship with their child's parents. So, you know, absolutely. Well, being able to, I think, create a nuanced solution that does work specifically for your child. I mean, what else can you do as parents? You know, you all are maximizing your roles. I call it like co-CEOs of team child. I mean, you all are both doing everything you can to maximize your child's success. And it is, I mean, as a divorce attorney, I can say, I mean, kudos a million percent. (laughs) Like, you know, I mean, you all are just rocking the dickens out of that. (laughs) So, I mean, it's awesome. Well, let's talk about when you talk about radical ownership of our lives. I mean, I could not love that just idea more. I mean, what does that look like to you? For me, it looks like stepping out of the role of victim Mm -hmm. and stepping in to an empowered sense of self. And that means not pointing the finger, not laying blame, not condoning necessarily bad things that have happened. It's not condoning our trauma. It's about just understanding this is our life. We've got one life. And so we can either spend it in that victim role, which if it's, you know, an old, well-worn belief system, it can be really hard to step out of, Mm -hmm. or we can, you know, be a survivor and live from that sense of, I make my choices. There's no obligations in this world. None. Right. We like to say, I have to do this. I have to do that. You don't have to do anything ever. And when you can really step into that, that's the ownership of your life. Like I'm choosing this. I'm choosing this. I love that. How in the world did you get this mindset? Like, have you always had it? Has this evolved over time? Like, tell us about that. Oh, absolutely not. I was the ultimate victim. I was... (laughs) No, I was, you know, my parents divorced when I was, you know, under two years of age, you know, I had abandonment issues. And so it's not my fault that I acted the way that I acted, acted out, I mean, acted out well into my twenties and thirties. And why couldn't I have like stable relationships? No, it's always somebody else's fault. No, I definitely did not have this mindset. (laughs) This is 
it's been in the last several years. And I got it through a combination of things. I want to say coaching has been fundamental, which is why I became a coach. I think that when you have this process in your life, when you have an objective person who can sit with you and go through your statements and thoughts and, and allow you to see them, like see your mind, what's your mind doing? It's, it's just so powerful. And that to yeah. me has been extremely important. The other part of it is meditation. Mm-hmm. I feel that mindfulness meditation really allowed me to get the space to see my thoughts and my emotions and my reactivity, my actions as a, mm-hmm. coming from those emotions. And then also therapy. And, you know, I also take an antidepressant, which has really helped Mm -hmm. in the last couple of years, getting a good antidepressant that worked on my anxiety. So all of those things in conjunction work to get me where I am right now. And I wouldn't take out one single piece. They're all fundamental. That's amazing. Well, when you talk about the coaching and the understanding your mind, did you do work kind of around the whole thought model? Yeah. Okay. That is it. It's the thought model. I mean, that to me, when I learned about the thought model, I was like, Boom, that's the secret to life. I mean, girl, like I 100% agree. And I literally harass the universe with it. Like my team, my kids. I mean, I'm always like, if I had learned that in my 20s, like I can't even imagine where I'd be right now if I had learned that early. So I really, I feel almost like a Baptist preacher, you know, like yes. sharing it. I always am out there evangelizing about the thought model. I mean, tell us, like you explain what you, you know, how you use the thought model. Do you kind of eavesdrop on your thoughts? I really use an embodied perception. I have a lot of anxiety. I have a lot of emotion. I'm a very emotional person. So, Mm -hmm. and that's all in the body. So I, whenever I start to feel, you know, these vibrations, I try to go inward, which has been a a tough thing. I used to be a very disembodied person, didn't want to go in there, didn't want to see what was working. You know, that is a scary place. But now it's a very warm place. It's a very safe place. And so I just go and see where is what I'm experiencing? Where am I feeling in? And and I go, I go there. And then I'll go through, okay, you know, like you said, I believe myself to be an evangelist in this way as well. And I, I use this with my daughter. So when she says something, you know, she's feeling a certain way. I ask her, you know, are you having big feelings? Where do you feel in the body? So I use the same kind of tools with her. And then I try to get her to recognize that, you know, she's having thoughts mm-hmm. about the circumstances rather than the circumstance making her feel the thing that she's feeling. Um, right. So I'm not coaching my daughter per se, but I'm certainly opening her up to this idea that it's not our circumstances that, that cause our emotions or our results. It's, our thoughts about our circumstances. Absolutely. Well, I spend so much time. I actually call my mean girl in my head, Eloise, because I had to name her. But I mean, I spent a lot of time eavesdropping on her, you know, and I'm like, Eloise, you are talking smack today, you know, and she'll be in there. I don't know what she's doing. But if I can really stop that and really step back, I'm like, Well, Eloise, that is not even true. Like, where did you come up with that? You know, and then I have to kind of clap back on her and really tell her like, oh, no, that's not actually the real deal. But I mean, I just never knew how to do that until I was like in my 40s. So I feel like you, I spent so much time 
being more reactive about things rather than being able to really internalize and look and see what's in there. And it has just revolutionized my ability to handle things and just be in the universe. Like just deal. Yeah. I mean, just deal. Somebody said something to me the other day and it literally struck such a chord with me. We were talking about challenging things. And she said, Elise, I think you might want to consider your challenges as dance partners. I mean, the strangest, but most little thing to think of your challenges in a way as a dance partner and to think of how you can choreograph a million different dances, you know, to look different ways. But it was really I did too. I loved it. And so now, I mean, literally the other day I said something, I was like, well, I got to get this tango going. And my husband was like, what are you talking about? I was like, just don't worry about it, honey. We're going to learn to merengue today. We are on this. And so, but I mean, just that little flip being able, instead of seeing a challenge in a negative light or as, oh gosh, you know, woe is me. I'm like, oh, fun, a new opportunity to create a new dance and figure it out. And it sounds so simple, but I mean, it's kind of life changing when you can look at these things from a different perspective, because don't you find challenges are everywhere, no matter how joyful we are, like they happen constantly. You know, I was saying this last weekend was the first weekend I've been home since September. And I don't have a cleaning person. So I had to, you know, I spent all Saturday cleaning. And yeah, I mean, look, you know, we, I remind myself always that life is 50 50. That's what my coach or my teacher taught me. Life is 50 50. It's not meant to be all sunshines and rainbows. And part of the human condition is experiencing negative emotion. Like I want to feel angry at injustice right? I want to feel angry by, you know, some of the things that happen in this world. I want to grieve losses. I I want to feel those things. I don't want to be all even keel and happy all the time. I I hate that. What is it? That toxic positivity. Like we're not, we're not pretending to be happy. We're not white knuckling our smiles, you know? No, (laughs) like I have a rich, emotional tapestry that makes me who I am, you know? So it's not supposed to be 50, 50, but when I sense myself getting angry, when I sense myself triggered, which is a lot, I'm triggered a lot. (laughs) I have a lot of thoughts about things. Like you said, I stop myself. I see, where is this? And I think about, okay, what's happening for me? What's happening here? You know, what unmet need is being triggered for me? What are my thoughts about this? The best thing right now is I just had I just reread Eckhart Tolle's A New Earth yeah. and The Power of Now for some book clubs that I'm in. Mm-hmm. And I was listening to A New Earth and he, and he talks about the idea of the ego. And when somebody criticizes you, just allowing yourself to be diminished, like not yourself rather, but your ego to be diminished. Mm-hmm. And I'm someone who I, I feel is somewhat sensitive to what I perceive as unfair criticism, which most criticism to the ego is unfair unnecessary. So the last couple of weeks, anytime I've received some kind of criticism, I'm just like diminished ego, just sit with it, just sit with it, you know, just let it be here. It's okay. You know, you'll be fine. And uh, it's powerful sometimes with more success than others, but still. Well, it's, it's the work. It is. It's the work. And it's, I think it's our life's work. I mean, I think we'll be doing it 
forever, or at least I will. I'm kind of slow on the uptake, I think, on many things. But <laughs> so I just keep working. Interestingly, I consider criticism to be nuggets of information or like truth bombs. Like I try to really take criticism. I mean, I have to step back and really say thanks, you know, and actually try to verbalize gratitude for the criticism because I think to myself, what a powerful thing that somebody is willing to provide me that type of radical candor, you know, and in my mind, that is a cool thing that they're doing for me. And it's like, okay, this is great information. What can I now do with this? And really try to just look at it. And for me, that has been very helpful, you know, as I think about criticism and especially I own a law firm. So, I mean, people criticize things like, you know, maybe I set up some system and they're like, at least that is dumb. Like, why did you do that? And, you know, and at first you're like, well, I don't know. That was the best I could do at the time or what, you know, but it's like, this is no time for that. I need to just really take it and be like, oh, okay, cool. Maybe this is dumb. Like, let's figure out what we can do better. And so, yeah, but you're right. This is life's work. I mean, it is just a work in progress. Well, tell us a little bit more. I'm dying for the people who listen to this to understand for them to work with you and do this joyful attorney work. What are some of the things you are teaching people in your courses, like the practical day-to-day things? Because I sure learned a lot. Well, the first thing I think I, I start most of my courses off. Well, I was doing a six-week course. And I start that six-week course with time management. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really learning how to calendar our time in a way that is deliberate and conscious so that we can maximize our life. You know, like you, I own my own firm. I have a partner. And then I have this business coaching. And I want to continue to do both. People are asking me, are you going to, you know, leave the law to coach? Absolutely not. Like I have a calling for both things and I want to do both things. And I'm also a Girl Scout leader, (laughs) mom to an eight-year-old and a marathon trainer. I have to schedule my time. My time must be scheduled. And actually, everyone's time needs to be scheduled. And so that's where I start with my courses. Um, And so then right now, I have them separated out where people can pick and choose what courses they want to take. But I highly recommend that time management piece because it is, for me, that was another transformative part of my life. I used to be a complete mess, super procrastinator. And now I don't have to procrastinate. And I don't, everything's decided in advance for me with my schedule. Other things I teach are about boundaries. And that's part of that radical ownership. You know, so much of our, you know, especially those of us who have anxiety, we do attempt to control. And learning that you cannot control other humans is fundamental. <laughs> Again, just like we have to radically own our lives, we have to recognize that other people radically own theirs too. And so there's nothing that we can do to control other people, even our children. Like, but what we can have are boundaries and we can protect our peace. And what that requires is enormous courage. I mean, that's really the hardest part about boundaries is you falling through with your boundaries because nobody has to do anything to accept or conform to your boundaries. Boundaries are not about what other people do. It's about what you do. And so it's, it requires an enormous amount of courage. Other things I teach are resilience. I teach about the thought model. (laughs) That's one of my, a whole piece is the thought model. And I also am going to be teaching about money relationships, our relationships with money. That's a course that I have coming up. Um, Because again, we kind of just assume that 
our relationship with money is a certain thing. Yeah, like I love money. We all love money. No, some of us don't love money. We think we love money, but we have a lot of thoughts about money, a lot of belief systems that hold us back. And I also talk about self-maintenance as opposed to self-care. I think self-care kind of gets bandied about. And the truth is that in this society, we have no lack of overindulgence. We treat ourselves constantly. Like all we do is like a pain pleasure cycle. So we feel pain and we seek pleasure. We feel pain. So we seek pleasure, but the pleasure that we seek is largely false pleasures and they're false pleasures that have a net negative consequence on our lives. So when we avoid emotion by, you know, drinking or eating or abusing other substances or even scrolling, which is my biggest vice, I will admit, or, you know, whatever we do to avoid our real emotion and it has a net negative consequence on us, that is a point where we can gain awareness, learn from and figure out what's really going on for us so we can make choices that lend itself to a more fulfilling deliberate conscious life. I just love this. I mean, I cannot, I just loved your course. I mean, the calendaring was like kind of game changing for me. The thought about, cause you were like, you need to put on your personal things first. Yes. Like, hello. That seemed, I mean, it's kind, it doesn't sound like earth shattering, but I never had done it that way. I always would fit in things wrong way to do it. And now I'm the exact opposite. I do my personal things first. They get put on every month and there's no budging them. Like they're non-negotiable. When something goes on your calendar, it should be, and I I don't want to say should, we have to learn to develop integrity with ourselves. And so that's one of the things I teach too, right? We have to learn to trust ourselves and follow through with ourselves and establish that integrity with ourselves so that when we say we're going to do something, we do it. And we have you know, most of us have gotten to this point in our lives where we put ourselves last and we're always willing to reschedule ourselves. Um, And again, this goes back to what you were saying earlier. We have this one life to live. That's it. And we need to enjoy it. It's again, it's going to be 50, 50. It's not going to be all sunshine and rainbows, but at the same time, like if we are just working to survive, if we're not enjoying our life at all, then what are we doing here? And we can't keep waiting for this future point when we will have the time to enjoy our life. Like it's available to us right now. So uh, put it in your calendar, you know, don't be afraid of like overscheduling yourself or not being spontaneous. Like, you know, if you want to be spontaneous, I say, put a block of time. I'm going to be spontaneous. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) But, you know, but put in your personal time. Like I have so many people say, I don't have time to work out. I don't have time to do this. I don't have time to you know, go to the spot. I don't, whatever it is that you enjoy in your life, you have time for it. You're just not prioritizing that time. You, we have to make difficult choices, but again, we don't live with obligation. We don't live with have tos. Every single thing is a choice. And so I say, flip it. I choose not to do the things that I want to do. I choose Mm -hmm. not to work out. I choose not to, you know, prioritize my life. I choose not to go to the park. I choose not, you know, everything is a choice. And just understanding that is so fundamental. Um, and once it goes on the calendar, this is why I say, yeah, we don't reschedule it. We don't reschedule it. This is my time. Right. And it's a process because I'm not telling you that I get into my calendar and it's perfect. I follow through with every single little thing. We're humans. It's a process. There is no perfection. That's another thing I deal with in my courses is perfectionism. There is no perfect. Um, it's never going to be perfect, but we're just learning to 
follow through and have integrity with ourselves and our, and our lives. That's that radical ownership. It's so critical. I mean, you just like speak right to my soul. The Guild is an insanely productive community of lawyer entrepreneurs with a growth mindset who share their collective genius and hold each other accountable to take their careers and businesses to the next level. But in 2021, we are upping the game. In addition to exclusive access to the group, FaceTime with the two of us, discounted pricing for live events, and front seat exposure to live recording and podcasts and video, we are mapping out for members the exact growth playbook with our new program, Maximum Lawyer in Minimum Time. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships and experience content specifically designed to complement your plan for growth. For a limited time only, the Maximum Lawyer in Minimum Time program will be offered for free to all new Guild members. Join us by going to maxlawguild.com. I recently read a book and it was kind of game changing. Now, I'm not a massive fan of the author. It's um, Dan Sullivan, you know, and he's got some political leanings. I'm not a huge fan of just whatever, but they don't always come out in his books. And this book in particular, it had to do with the gap in the game and what you were talking about perfectionism. This book literally just like slapped me in the face about, you know how we have goals and we're like, okay, we're going to map our calendar out and it's going to be perfect. Then the minute we fall short, we then look at it as we fell short, because that means we're looking at the gap, the gap from the ideal to what we're doing. Whereas if you're operating in the game, you look behind you and you say, look where I've come from, like I've made this progress. And that was really eye-opening to me because I have been a major gap girl. I have been looking at my stuff. I mean, I could literally like have huge success with my firm, but I'm looking at what I didn't do. I'll be like, well, I didn't hire, you know, this seventh attorney that I meant to hire this year instead of being like, well, you hired five, you know what I mean? Like, and so it's, it was really a good mind flip for me to start thinking about that. And I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, perfectionism is not the goal. I mean, it, it's not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> no, and my teacher, Brooke Castillo, says that perfectionism is for scared people. Right. And when I heard that, I was like, oh, <laughs> but I was like, oh, when I really was like, let me try this on. So in my classes, you know, I always say, let's take a learning mindset. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm not saying you're wrong. Let's just like learn from each other and let's just try this on. And I tried that on. I was like, oh my God, it's so true. Because when we are in that perfectionism, it's like we can't let our creative process out into the world until it's perfect. And so it holds us back. We're scared of failing. And the truth is, as a business owner, you know this, to get to any success in our lives, it requires failure. And again, it's a courage to step up and fail. Like I'm going to fail. Like Cardi B says, I'm going to knock me down nine times. I'm going to get up 10. Like, exactly. (laughs) I mean, think of all the learning, like you say, the learning mindset. Every time I fail, I get some really cool nuggets out of those failures. I mean, I'm able to really learn. And to me, then it becomes just another step on the path. You know, like I don't even I try to actually not even use the word failure. I'm like, you know, this was step four and step four might have looked really messy. I mean, in my world, everything has to do with Cajun food. So step four is like a gumbo. And, you know, oh my, goodness. Just, my oh family's my. Cajun, too. Yes. Part of my family's Cajun. <laughs> my mom did our genealogy. Um, so anyways, that's just funny. Are you from Louisiana? 
I am. Yeah. Okay. So we so, part of my family's from Louisiana as well. Yeah. And so, I mean, some of our greatest cooking adventures come from other failed meals. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I just think of it like, okay, I'm just creating a gumbo with this chicken that went totally wrong for last night's dinner, but now it's going to be this amazing base for tomorrow night's dinner. And, you know, it just is what it is. And so I wish we could get more attorneys to take your classes. I mean, just the idea of joy and infusing joy in your day. I mean, I use this still. I mean, I'm so old school. I actually write out my daily schedule on a piece of paper and it's and on the bottom is Elise's joy. And I actually put in something joyful I am doing every day and it can be silly things. (laughs) So I do use my electronic calendar. I do use it, but I also, because I love paper, I love the feel of paper. I I actually do have a paper calendar where I'll put the highlights, but I do the same thing. I have my daily gratitude. I have my affirmation, my manifestations, you know, um, because, you know, putting it it may be old school, but I think there's something beautiful about taking the time to write it out, write it out and say, I, this is what I want. This is like, it leads our day. It leads our life. And I, 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 for me, I enjoy it. So I think so. It kind of sets my intentions in the morning. I don't know if you've ever listened to Ariana Huffington, like any of her books, the Thrive books, or she has some really interesting things. And she talks about that. And apparently there's a study showing that when you write it out, actually by hand on paper, you are much more likely to make it happen. It truly does set your intentions even stronger. I would love to hear you and I'll have to chat sometimes. If you listen to some of Ariana Huffington's books, I mean, I'll have to, I can send you some of them that they've been really helpful to me thinking about like, how do we set our intentions for the day? And she talks about like you did about the scrolling, how we sometimes use scrolling through like Facebook or Instagram as like a little bit of a crutch, you know, as part of our dopamine hit. It's dopamine, dopamine, dopamine. Yeah. And she talked about, I just, I could not love it more. She actually created a bed for her phone. So her phone gets put in a bed. It was like the most beautiful thing. So every I love this. This is like, I've taken so much from this. I I love that idea. So she puts it in a bed and literally it goes to bed. She has a blanket and everything. And it sleeps all night so that she can start her day without it. I mean, really, you would love some of her teachings, I think. <laughs> this is, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I, you know, I talk about prioritizing sleep and truly to like, for me, sleep is so fundamental for oh, our yeah. brains. I'm just writing a podcast on our decision fatigue and how, you know, wow. when we don't sleep, our decision making is severely impacted. So there's a lot of reasons to sleep, but <laughs> part of how, why we don't sleep well is because we're so addicted to our dopamine hits. Totally. And so if you are on your device all night, of course you're not going to sleep. Like your right. brain is just wired. So right. we, I really recommend that wind down ritual. I'm going to take a look at this because I yeah. like the idea of that ritual of putting your phone to bed. We're humans. We love rituals. Right. Um, but when we can have that wind down time where we're not getting that dopamine hit, then our brain has a chance to relax and we're able to go to sleep. That's, you know, I think that's huge. It is. Well, and actually Huffington has a book on sleep. I mean, I would encourage you to read that. I'm going to check this all out. Yeah. Tell me what is the name of your podcast so my listeners can hear because I would really want them to check out your podcast. 
It's called the Joyful Attorney. That's what <laughs> I thought. So, easy. Yeah. so you can just search the Joyful Attorney. Yeah. I love and it's that. available on my website as well on the joyfulattorney.com. Perfect. Now, can people work with you one-on-one or is it all through your courses currently? No, absolutely. I love doing one-on-one work. I think the courses are really excellent to kind of send those nuggets out and start to build this process. Mm-hmm. But having a one-on-one is, I mean, just it's the ideal way to kind of develop the things that I'm talking about. So I do, I have an eight-week program. I prefer to do it every week so we can build that momentum mm-hmm. and we mm-hmm. go through everything and anything that is at the heart of why we're not getting the results right. we want to get. And I think that's what differentiates not that I think that's what differentiates. That's what I know differentiates coaching from therapy. Mm-hmm. Coaching is very results oriented. What are the results I'm getting now? And what are the results I want to get? Mm-hmm. So I like to think about it just like athleticism. You know, every athlete has multiple coaches, that mm-hmm. objective viewpoint that helps somebody, you know, achieve the results that they desire. And so that's what we do with coaching as well. You have a lot of moving pieces. It's yeah. not just relationship or business, or, you know, food, whatever. These are, right. there's a lot of moving parts, but it all comes down to that fundamental thing. The thought model. Absolutely. Yeah. It always comes down to that. Always. It, always. Everything. I mean, that's the thing that's so, I mean, it just, it makes my, the Baptist preacher come out of me because it's everything. Like, you know, as, it, as an ev- evangelist of the thought model, you know, that when you say these things, people get resistant. So I I imagine there may be someone listening here that says, no, my thoughts don't cause my feelings, which drive my actions to produce my results. No, it's definitely my circumstances. This, this, and this has happened to me. And that's why I'm getting the result I want. And I want to say again, learning mindset, maybe, maybe, you know, but can you try on that there may be a different way? And if you're not getting the result that you want, then are you willing to try something else on something that has been, you know, fundamental for so many other people. Like for me, it was such a transformation. Like I was a miserable person. Like I have to say, I was a miserable person before coaching and that one-on-one coaching. When I became um, a certified coach, I said, I may never actually be a coach, right? but, but being able to be in this program and get this level of coaching from my peers and others, I'm in for that alone. And just, having that one-on-one work, it, it's, oh, it's groundbreaking. Absolutely. Truly so, is. Yeah. Well, and I love your thought about maybe, I mean, I kind of look at what do you have to lose? Like if you're not getting the results you want now, I mean, why not try something else? You know what I mean? Like whatever's not working now. So let's just try something new. <laughs> yeah. The Buddha says, listen, don't take my word for it. Right. Try it on to like, see if it works. See for yourself. Like I, in my course, I always say, fight me. Like, let's do it. <laughs> Tell me what is a problem that you think that you're having right now that is caused by the circumstance? You know, let's talk about it. You know, I'm willing to hear other things because I don't think I have the, you know, objective truth about mm-hmm. the world or about right. other people's lives. I don't give advice. My coaches, I don't give them advice, right? We work together to see our minds. That's really it. I want right. you to see your mind. And so I don't have to be right. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I don't yeah. have to be right. Wow. If you have to be right though. Let me, I mean, I, that's why I would urge them. If you have to be right, if I have to be wrong, is there another way? Right. You know, it's all nuance in this world. It is. And it's 
all nuance. Well, and the one thing that, I mean, has been an area for me, I think because I have so many kids, like often people will say to me, I don't have time. And I'm like, are you really going to talk to the person with six kids and talk to me about time? I'm like, we all have the same 168 hours in a week. Like, you know, Bill Gates has it, Oprah has it, Barack has it, like we all got it. So we can all figure out what to do with it. And it's that's been a real thing for me, revolutionizing my thoughts around time, because I think you hit it the nail on the head. It's all about our priorities and what we're choosing to do and choosing not to do, because the hours are the same for all of us. Absolutely. Now, and granted, I recognize that people with a lot of means have more resources to delegate. Oh, for I mean, sure. But at the same time, like we can acknowledge that, but also say this thought, I don't have enough time. Where does that get you? Like, okay. what, how does that benefit you? How does that serve you? I don't have enough time. Just like, it's not a priority. That's it. Oh. You just shift the language. This is not a priority for me. And oh. if we, if, if our values are not in line with our time priorities, in other words, if our values are not in line with what we, what we are, how we are spending our time, then that's a point of like, let's gain some awareness about this. Right. Because if you would like to be doing something and you're not doing it because you're saying you don't have enough time, this is a point to look at it. Like, right. Let's look here. Let's have the courage to take a look at what, what, what's really going on. Because that's, that that's transformation. That's radical ownership. Absolutely. That's I mean, and whether it's whether you have money, no money. I mean, it's simply radical ownership of what you're doing every day. We can be at the effect of our lives and our circumstances. We can choose to be the victim. Mm -hmm. And that is, to me, the most disempowering place to be. Right. Or we can say, I am going to own my life for better or for worse. I'm going to empower myself with the knowledge that I am able to make these choices and priorities. That doesn't mean that ever, I'm going to enjoy every single thing that I'm choosing to do but I've made my choices. I'm empowered by my choices and I'm going to prioritize my life around my choices. And our circumstances may not be ideal. Right. That doesn't mean we accepting what our circumstances are does not mean condoning them. It doesn't mean loving them. <laughs> it just means they are. We can argue with reality right. or not. And that for me, I choose to accept reality and manage my mind around it to the, to totally. the extent possible. When there's things that I don't want to deal with, I don't deal with it. That's it. Right. You know, radical. Well, interesting. I have a, a son actually in the Marines. And I mean, he gets put through some brutal things. Let me just say it is not easy at all. And he's kind of in the, the hardcore Marines. And so he'll say, like, it is what it is. He's like, there's no reason for me to, you know, be upset about what it is. He's like, it's just it is. And he's like, so I might as well just do my best with whatever I'm handed. And I mean, and this is a 21 year old, you know what I mean? Like, I love a, this. Yeah. A young person, but I just, I marvel at his ability to deal with, you know, his circumstances and how he handles them. And it just, I mean, probably every week I am really taken aback by how he's able to handle it with an amazing attitude. And I just think, I mean, it could look totally different. His entire experience would be different if just his mindset was different. And because okay. I mean, that's, you know, a, that's life. I mean, <laughs> and right there for a kid in the Marines, I mean, it is fascinating to see the power of mindset and 
Im- imagine a Marine who felt like I have to do this. I'm so upset with myself for making right. this choice. Totally. Ugh, like my, this, my life sucks. Like that choice <laughs> as a, I mean, the, the, just the difference between that attitude and how, what you're going to gain from that experience versus the, this is my choice and this is what I want to accomplish. And this is where I'm going to take it. And I'm not going to love every second of it. It doesn't matter, you know, I, but I'm going to learn how to endure it. I'm learn how to grow from it, you know, take that adversity and, and grow. Like that's really, we can use that as like a, an analogy for all of our lives because I don't know anybody who's gotten to this point in their life who hasn't experienced trauma. Now, some more than others, but part of life is just traumatic. I mean, we yeah. just all survived, hopefully, you know, those of us who are talking now have survived a global pandemic. I mean, that's traumatizing. Absolutely. You know, we have seen so much stuff. I was thinking about it, I, you know, about my, my mother's generation and the Vietnam War. And I was like, you know, we've never gone through sitting here and being drafted, you know, mm-hmm. or being worried about, you know, there's a lot that other generations have dealt with. I mean, you know, old, older generations have. I personally have not. But I remember, you know, there's so much trauma and generational trauma that really? we carry with us. And, um, you know, there's nothing we can do about it. It's already happened. There's nothing we can do with it. We're going to carry it one way or the other. And the question is, can we carry it with, with I would say, grace, with, right. with, with an acceptance, with a non-condoning, right? But just saying, like, this is my life as it is. It is what it is, like your son said. It, this it is, is it. it and, is what am, and what am I going to take it moving forward? You know, that's the beauty, I think, of what we get to experience in this world is this ability to... Uh, learn from all the things that have happened to us and still, you know, persevere. I like to think about, you know, life like long distance running. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, again, it's a, I'm marathon training. I've marathon trained before and you can get to a point where it's like, why am I doing this? Why? Like, and then you realize I don't have to do this. Yeah. I can literally stop right now, call an Uber, go home. I do not have to do any of this. When you're running 16, 17, 18, 19 miles, there's no pleasure in that. <laughs> there's no pleasure in it. Right. But, but there's, they're getting somewhere. There's a reason. Another thing that, you know, I, in my courses I talk about is having that compelling reason, that reason that drives you, that reason that says, you know, I'm not going to give up. Right. No matter what happens, I'm committed, like fully committed. And when you find that reason for whatever it is, whatever result you want to achieve, nothing that can really obstruct that. No. That nothing. I find that full commitment, I mean, to be powerful. Like if you and you can really hearken back to that in some of those hard moments and you can see what that full commitment is and just really own it. I mean, there's nothing that will stop you. And I mean, people better just watch the hell out because you are on a mission. Exactly. Because I know no matter what, no matter what, like I may not succeed at every step of the way. And in fact, I will not succeed totally. every step of the right. way. But what I will do is consistently show up for myself yeah. and see that vision that way forward. I, I mean, I love this imagery of your son. I can just see him like I, I'm picturing a uniform, a Marine in uniform. Right. You know, why did I choose to do this? And, and having that in your head, I'm a huge fan of visualization. And so having these images in your head as what is the result I want? You know, I love that. And we can take that with us for me. You know, maybe if you're running a marathon, it's crossing that finish line. Right. Or if, if you're building a business, seeing yourself in the office that you would like to have something simple like that. 
just holding on to that, remembering what the reason really is. Um, Well, and it's interesting because I mean, thinking of the visualization of my son, he literally recently was going through this high level training and he was doing this very final test. You know, it's gruesome and brutal. Well, and he apparently his legs just literally like seized up and he had to run like 14 more miles with 100 pounds on his back and, you know, all the horrors of the Marines. I mean, he was describing this and he was like, I just, I mean, I only had so much time to pass. Like, you know, you had to get across the finish line by a certain time. And he said, I said to myself, like, I'm going to just die trying. And I was like, where is this, you know, my kid? And I have this total vision of him. And he literally like, I think he said he had four seconds to spare. He had mathematically run it all through his head of what he had to do. And he was just like, I wasn't going to quit. That was not an option. You know, my plan was I was going to die trying. And I was like, well, I mean, and he made it, you know, the worst (laughs) score he ever had, but it didn't matter. All he had to do was pass. And I just thought, wow, I mean, that is some serious commitment. And I love it. I mean, that visualization, I have it in my head all the time now. Like I can just picture this kid, like, you know, suffering these just cramps, like none other where, I mean, he said like one leg sees, then the other, then his hips. I mean, he said it was just horrible, you know, but I mean, I think it was dehydration, like, you know, whatever happens after. Yeah. Um, the electrolyte depletion. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You probably know. <laughs> It is. But I think you're right. I think visualization is so powerful because I think for him in that minute, it was visualizing how do I get across and pass, you know, like and even if he fell across the line, that was what was going to happen. So I just I cannot tell you, Laura, how much I've enjoyed talking to you today. And I hope that everybody reaches out to you about your work, because I just think the joyful attorney, the course and doing one-on-one coaching with you would be so powerful for so many of my listeners who are juggling that mom, attorney, law firm ownership. And so we will be sure to get all the links and the resources, you know, in our show notes so that people can reach out to you, but tell us, I mean, what is the best way for somebody to reach out to you? If they just are dying to do it today, just email me Laura at the joyful That's the best way to contact me. I also have a WhatsApp number 305-482-1294. So you can actually text me as well. Perfect. Now I don't always respond right away because I have boundaries. <laughs> But that is a great way to reach out to me. Oh, I am just so excited and I am so grateful for your time today. I cannot even tell you how much I appreciated it. Oh, I'm so grateful to be here. I really appreciate it. Um, And this was wonderful. I would love to keep on chatting with you. Um, I want to come visit. (laughs) Yeah, no, definitely. You and I are going to actually, we are going to keep chatting because I think we both really feel so strongly about how can we help other, especially women attorneys in this world, be able to find more joy in their day-to-day life? Because we are really lucky in so many ways. I mean, we have amazing jobs and we work in a time where we can bring change to so many things, which I just find to be, it makes me really happy. Yeah, and me so, too. We, this is the, you know, the joy is in the empowerment. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah. Well, I so hope you have a wonderful day and thanks again. And I can't wait to see some Halloween pictures. (laughs) 
Thank you. Okay. Thank <laughs> Have you. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Mom Podcast, a production of Maximum Lawyer Media. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. See you next time.